What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Coming up, we'll do a quick recap of the Hounds nil-nil draw from the weekend. We'll touch on Steel City FC's draw with Hershey, and then we'll welcome Brian Cook and Richard Rainwater from BGN Written to break down the doubleheader with Indy this week. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty gritty. I almost said, insert intro music here, which didn't make it into last week's episode, but Kevin did say after his... That was my way of let's go. That was my version of let's go. (laughs) When I I heard that, I was like, should I leave it or should I remove it? I don't know. And so, yeah. So there's a little inside baseball for you. Kevin, at the end of his intro, said, insert intro music here. So, yeah. (laughs) Guys, what's going on? How was your weekend? Kev, did you do anything fun? Full of Memorial Day cake and burgers. Um, Had some of those Beyond Burger patties. They're really good. Uh, wait, wait, wait. are those those are like the no meat? Yeah, yeah, they're not the Impossible Burger stuff. That's like scary, similar to real ground beef. Um, they're slightly more noticeably not beef, but they're still really good and uh, and tasty. But those are like the ones you can actually get because yeah. like the Impossible yeah. Burger is impossible to actually buy like at a supermarket. Right. Whereas the Beyond Burger is like this is like marketed towards people, not towards restaurants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But is it meant to taste like beef, or is it like a black bean burger that just, it's like a veggie burger? It tastes more like meat. Okay. If you ask me, like, I've had it as well. I, I think it, it's it's not quite on par with the Impossible Burger, but it's definitely, like, it's it's almost there. It's good enough for me. Like, I would, like, I'm a meat eater, but, like, I would totally do the uh, uh, Beyond Burgers. Okay. Yeah. Josh, what did you guys have going on this weekend? Not much. Uh, it was a lot, just kind of recouping from busy weekends lately busy weeks uh but went to the mall yesterday got a new pair of vans I'm really happy now i'm like messing nice. around their website looking at all the custom stuff so got of vans mike do you have vans i don't have vans i had some converses some cool for a while vans. yeah <laughs> so cool that that would first require me to be a cool dad which i have not so i'm i'm the like <laughs> i've i've very just easily transition into like the crazy bad dad joke dad where like i know i'm saying stupid dad jokes and i say them anyway but i try to say them like they're ironic they're just not ironic because i'm that guy so yeah that's, cargo shorts and new balance shoes. that's right guy. that that is that is this guy for sure so kevin the question is uh laces or no laces for your vans i do laces i do no laces Ooh. i do yeah I do New Balance shoes. New Balance shoes. Nah, mine's mostly because I'm lazy. I don't want to have to do the places. So <laughs> yeah, I just get to, I just get to slip on ones. I'm like, all right, I don't have to bend over or anything. Nice. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I might be missing a trick there. That's a good yeah. idea. So let us know. We should put out a new Twitter poll. Laces or no laces <laughs> on your hands? I didn't even realize this was a thing. Again, I'm so out of touch with things. Anyway. Guys, we got a lot of stuff we're going to touch on here. Um, we just got off the phone with uh, Brian and Richard, which was a fantastic interview. It went a little bit long, so we apologize if the show goes a little bit long. But there's a couple of things we want to talk about before diving into that and talking about Indy. First up, Hounds, Charlotte, nil-nil. The, the Hounds played the majority of the game on 10 men. Guys, I figured rather than doing full takeaways, because I feel like we sort of do that every week. 
let's pick each of us pick one good thing from this game and one bad thing and we'll try not to pick the same thing so um i'm gonna go first selfishly yeah kevin's nodding like i was expecting so of course that. you are yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna start i'm gonna start with the bad thing we'll finish with good i'm gonna say the bad thing was the kick to dover's face was really bad um like i there's a number of things that could go wrong here. Before this even happened, I thought Dover Dover was consistently just putting the ball on frame, which, you know, on a wet sort of evening, you kind of hope for, even when you weren't expecting him to shoot. I'm not advocating that all of the shots he took he should have taken, but he's at least taking the chance. And uh, I started to think before that even happened, like, you know, Dover's in line to get called up for the Gold Cup. We might lose him for a period. You know, how is the team going to cover for that? And then he got kicked in the face, and I put it out on Twitter. The kick in the face was bad. The fact that he, like, face-planted in the turf afterwards looked even worse. And, you know, the fact that all the players were calling for, for the medics right away just did not look like a good situation. I mean, he and did walk off, though. So, I mean, that's good. He did walk off, but that doesn't mean he wasn't concussed. That oh, doesn't sure. mean that he was cut open. Like, yeah, it just sure. It didn't look good. So, you know, best wishes to Jordan, hopefully... It's not as bad as it looked, but it looked pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, there isn't any sort of permanent damage there because, you know, I've I've had permanent issues from concussion, from a concussion um, in college, and it's not fun. So hopefully that's not the case. That's my bad. Um, Josh, give me a good or bad. I'll let you pick whichever one you want to do first. Uh, yeah, uh... I, mine are really broad. I feel like I'm just going to steal everyone's if I say it. Like, like, the first half was my bad. Like, I felt felt like we just did not have a good showing. It was ironic because it felt like we had a better performance once we went down a man. Um, at least in the second half. Like, the, right after it happened, it wasn't the greatest. But, yeah, I felt like we fought a lot harder uh, in that second half. So, that, that first half, just going down and... Okay, I'll, I'll narrow it down to just the, the red card against Joe. I, I think... I do think it's a red card. I mean, a yellow card, I should say. His second uh, yellow. I, I think it has to be a yellow card, especially with where he was at in the field, being the last man, the last defender, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it was on purpose, though. I really don't. I, it doesn't doesn't look like his arm came out to touch it. It looked like he, he kind of lunged over, and then it hit his arm. So it just was bad timing on his part. But, yeah, if it hits your arm and you're... And not in a natural position, which he definitely wasn't. Uh, it, it has to be a a yellow. I Can, respectfully disagree. I no, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I th- I think he knew what he was doing because I think it's just from his body language. I think like he he sees the ref and he's like, ah, oh, crap, and he just starts walking away. And like I I think I think if it's incidental, if it just kind of if it's kind of like ball to hand instead of hand outstretched, you know, you can get in the ref's face and all that kind of stuff and and. And argue your case. He had he didn't look like he was going to do that for a second. And and just instinctively watching it um, on on my computer screen, it looked like he kind of knew what he was doing. Like he slipped, and then his head almost went down. Like I can't believe I'm about to do this. I have to do it, and he did it. And he's like, I, I, I mean, I I think he he went to lunch for it on purpose. But and I think he knew as soon as it touched his arms, like, well, I'm out. Right. But I I was thinking that he was actually trying to get his head over to it and just couldn't. And then it's like, well. I tried, right, and yeah. now I got another yellow, and no crap, that's my second yellow. Right. So I, I don't think it was like, yeah. I will say, I think the first yellow was super light. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't think that, I didn't think his first yellow was a yellow at all. 
Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was a missed time challenge and it was a foul. Um, to, to say that was a yellow card was ridiculous. So, but of course, once you're in that position, the ref has to give him a red, obviously. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. Kev, what's your bad? My, my bad is pretty much the same thing I've been talking about. I mean, it's, uh, it's becoming so obvious and apparent our, our lack of cutting edge in their final third is just painful um you know how we don't have three or four goals in this game is just it's frustrating and and i think we look fine when we're defending we look fine when we're trying to play with you know have the center backs play the ball we look fine even in the midfield as soon as we try to progress and try to link something together with with attacking midfielders and forwards and getting any type of fluid motion, any type of fluid attack going, it breaks down and it's frustrating and it's hard to watch. Um, and I, I have very little confidence in it. I, the entire game, I was thinking the only way we get a goal here is, you know, if 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 they make a mistake, if 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 Charlotte makes a mistake, and uh, that's obviously not the confidence you want to have. Um, I think Brett's movement is not great. I mean, there's tons of stuff, but in general, I think. Um, once again, our, our attacking kind of cutting edge uh, is, is very dull at the moment, and I think it's really problematic. Since I made you go last on the bad, give me your good. My good, I thought Robbie Mertz was great. Um, I thought he had a really good game. I thought he was energetic, energetic in the midfield. Um, there was a moment, particularly in the second half, where uh, he, he, produ- he produced the only moment in the game where I kind of hopped out of my seat. Um, where it w- I can't remember what time it was, but it was in the second half. Kerr was going up along the left wing, and Mertz has it in the middle of the field. And he kind- Mertz just kind of slides it through like three Charlotte players in a ball where immediately when he plays it, you, you think, what is he doing? And then it- it's a perfectly weighted ball for Kerr to run onto, and it was a great ball. Um, I think Mertz is really coming into his own. I'll be disappointed if he doesn't start you know, the next couple games. Um, but he's he's turning out to be a really kind of shining player. And I mean, uh, fine. I'll say, I'll say, you know, the equivalent of the Charlotte podcast. They have to be sitting there thinking, how the heck did we go a man up for seventy minutes and still look the second best team? That's good. I mean, that's good from our standpoint. When we were down to ten men, and for the for I would argue the entire ninety. I think Josh, you're right. After we go down to ten men, there's maybe a ten minute period after that that we're not we're not looking great. But for the entire game, we're we're we look good. We're creating all the chances and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, obviously that's good. But yeah, uh, you know, frustrating again to to walk away with a nil nil. Just to sort of second the Mertz thing, it's I'm trying to think of sort of a comparative player in my mind for him. But there were moments in this game where you could feel that. Not that he was like the hungriest player on the field or he wanted it the most, but in particular, there was one point where Charlotte had a uh, indirect kick and there was a wall and Mertz was on the inside of the wall. And of course, Charlotte touches it and he was the first one out there and got the ball blasted off him. But he wasn't just going to stand there and do nothing. He was going after the ball. And then there was another time later in the second half where it felt like 
the offense was all pushing forward and Charlotte's defense had collapsed and was with the offense. And so Mertz just had the middle of the field to cover. And at one point Charlotte tried to clear and he like threw his body out and laid out to stop it from going any further to keep the attack on. And you could just feel the heart there. And I think that that's what makes him such an easy player to get behind. Um, and to it, continue it's, to see him grow. It's captain like behavior. I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's something that I've been wanting to see more. Of. I mean, I think, we have a lot of quote-unquote leaders in, in this team with Forbes, Kerr, and Greenspan and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of them, I mean, those three players, I think, generally are the quiet leader types, the kind of armchair generals. And sometimes you just you, you want to see your captain just buzzing around the field and doing everything you just said there. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really good to see. Josh, give me a good. Uh, Ryan James. Um I feel like he really stepped up this game, especially with Greenspan being out and Ryan James kind of taking over more defense. And there was a couple of key moments, especially since uh, the second half, it was right in front of the Steel Army uh, was our goal. So we we got, you know, kind of a a really close-up look at our defense and how they were dealing with not having Greenspan. Uh, Ryan James made some huge saves. Like, he came in and and had some key tackles and covered the goal at one point when – uh, pack was out of goal and uh, kept the ball out and it was just it, I thought he had a great game I think this game is 0-0 as far as uh, with Charlotte uh, because of the fact that Ryan James was on the field yeah I think it's a good shout I will get to the sort of man of not necessarily man of the match but MVP thus far this <laughs> season but I guess my good um, I'm gonna say is pack I think that mainly just because we didn't really know what to expect we saw him in the open cup game um, and to sort of see him get the start here and play the game, he showed some swagger, which, you know, we saw a little bit in the PK from the Open Cup game, but he's not afraid to come out. Um, I think in one point in particular, he he went to make sort of like a sliding save to keep the ball in the box, couldn't keep it in the box, and was smart enough to just let it go and was still able to get up and get a clear out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not knowing what to expect, I think that he's represented himself fairly well from what we've seen thus far compared to and that's not necessarily a direct knock on the other keepers we've talked plenty about the other keepers but I think sort of having him as a bit of a known quantity now just makes me feel a little bit more comfortable moving forward it's less of a question mark so um yeah do you, do you think he's the leader of the pack of keepers then? Boo! yes <laughs> 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 you got us both to boo at the same time. Mission accomplished. Well done, Josh. Small shout out to uh, Forbes too for uh, playing center back for a while yeah. there. That was that was really yeah. interesting. Forbes is one of those players where I just feel like he has so much soccer smarts that you could play him anywhere on the field and he would be serviceable. Um, I think that one of the things that's difficult about him is that it's very easy to not notice what he's doing because he does it so easily. Uh, he's he's not the flashy goal scorer and he's not the like, you know, needs to chase down somebody and make a tackle on defense. Just positionally, he's where he needs to be and he makes the easy plays. And so, Kev, you talk a little bit about leaders. He is a silent leader because of that soccer IQ. Um, but no, I thought he did a good job in the back as well. Um, Guys, anything else that we want to talk about about this game? Like I said, we we spend a lot of time talking about Indy. Um, it's it's frustrating that you know the Hounds were as dominant as they were, and they couldn't put it in the net. And we can commiserate about that all night. But I feel like most Hounds fans who are listening to this have already commiserated enough about that. Um, 
I will say that I heard it from multiple people uh, after the fact and like watching the game live and also people uh, who weren't able to make it to the game. Uh, a lot of people felt like the second half was like some of the most exciting mm-hmm. hound soccer we've seen uh, in uh, this season and some of the most uh, gritty and like just trying it our hardest and looking like we're, we're out to get it and had a, a heart and passion. So it, it's kind of interesting that, yeah, it was a zero zero draw, which is, you know, something we haven't seen that much this season because we keep on getting those two, two uh, draws, but uh, being down a man, I don't know if that's what it did it or if it was just it, the, the game plan from the start was to go back there with as much passion, but uh, it was nice to see the players really showing up to this game and, and giving it their all. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't tell if we were down the men. Um, oh, especially no. in no. the second half. We dominated. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I last I I say we keep can't keep talking about this game, but we're gonna keep talking about it here for a second. <laughs> do you think that was more of the Hounds passion and playing on display or do you think that was more of Charlotte struggling? Kev. I think Charlotte looks bad. Yeah. I that's mean true. like I and and yeah, I think we, we did play yeah yeah we played well um but yeah i think it was a combination of both josh you sound like you agree yeah i mean you, you can't only play the team that's in front of you like right. you know what i mean so it's one of the situations like uh, for example the game the open cup game i wouldn't say that about the open cup game even though we won 3-0 i, I wouldn't say that was the most passionate i've seen those guys play with um it was the fact that they were able to come up uh, big as far as uh, not going down when they were down a man, and uh, to keep on attacking and keep on pressing and looking like a more dominant team while being down a man, that that was the passion. So, also super last note, we we can't talk about this game and not talk about the weather. Um, the weather needs to go away for a while. I know that's an, an impossible <laughs> statement um, that I just made, but um, I you can't understate also just how much that puts the players off the game as well. Can't help but think that Greenspan doesn't get that yellow. Um, Wait, I think both the yellows came after the rain delay, I think. I don't yeah. know. I, I, yeah. We only got... Uh, well, I mean, there was the rain delay pretty much, like, right at the beginning. Like, I think it was, like, within 15 minutes, wasn't it? Or 20 minutes? 20 yeah. minutes in, yeah. 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 I mean, so it's... That makes it really difficult for the players, <coughs> and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't make it great for the fans, and blah, blah, blah. It's just... <sighs> it sucks. Uh, shout out to the, the crowd, though. Yeah, uh, for sure. Even that uh, rain delay, I... I didn't hardly see anyone leave. Like it was a good thirty minutes or whatever. And uh, after they called the game, you know, they said you go back to the stands. You're you're allowed to get back in the stands. Uh, I was surprised to see how many people stayed and were there for the the, the aftermath. Yeah. No, I agree one hundred percent. I apologize if it sounds like gunshots. I just realized that people are shooting off fireworks for Memorial Day. So uh, if anybody could hear <laughs> that, I'm safe. It's fine. Um, it's all good here. Guys, um, after the game was over, actually it might have been during the game, we put up a Twitter poll just saying, based on what you've seen this far, who would you say is the Hounds MVP of the season through these first however many games we've played? 55% of people who voted said Kerr. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? Or if you could pick somebody, I think the the options that we put out there were um, Kerr, James, and now I can't remember who the third one was, or other. Um, but still, regardless, 55% said Kerr. Kev, if you had to pick an MVP of the season thus far for this team, who is it? I mean, I actually did vote for Kerr. Um, and I, and I, <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, it, it's hard to pick anyone else. Because, I mean, part of me wants to say the defense, 
But, you know, as as we've had the conversation all season, Josh has rightly pointed out, our defense has been relatively leaky compared to what, you know, we can historically lie on. Um, and, yeah, I don't, we, we're not lighting it up going forward. Um, I think we still have – I think I'm right saying this. We don't have a single forward that has scored more than one goal in open play all season, which is just terrible when we're close to 10 games in. Um, what a, yeah, Kerr and Forbes are lighting it up with their three goals so far or something. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Kerr, Kerr's having a better season than he did last. Um, I expected him to fall off this season um, and not get many starts, not get much playing time. But, yeah, he's, he's impressed. Josh, how about you? I believe I said Kerr as well. Um, but, honestly, I that's just because of the, the fact that I feel like we had to pick someone at this point, but I don't know if anyone has really shown above and beyond everyone else this season uh, to really make it a, a strong case. Yeah, he has three goals, so that's the most out of everyone on our team. And uh, you know, he does more than just add goals. Um, he has a lot of other qualities that help us on the field, so it's easy to pick him. And it's... But it's one of those situations where, like, yeah, Forbes, maybe Forbes should get it. I mean, Forbes, like we just talked about, he's the quiet leader, and he is all over the field and doing great things. And Ryan James, he's been uh, pretty awesome this season. And, you know, Joe Greenspan. Like, there's there's plenty of people. Like, I wouldn't be mad if you picked someone else. And I don't think there's a strong case for any of them to be considered it above everyone else. No, that's totally fair. I think I ultimately said James because I was sort of thinking – if this player was missing, it would create the biggest problem for us. Um, and so out of everybody that we have on the field thus far, I was sort of thinking that considering that our back line has basically played together almost every game, that it would end up being somebody on the back line. And it could have been anybody. But I think that sort of the additional offensive um, capabilities that James has provided – um, sort of made him sort of my MVP. But obviously, you know, everybody has their own opinion, and we'll sort of probably do this again as the season goes on and sort of sees how this team evolves. But it was just interesting, nonetheless, 55% saying Kerr. So congratulations, Mr. Kerr. Um, however many games you are into the season, I keep not looking because we're not looking at the table yet. But uh, <laughs> you, Kevin's holding up nine, so we are yes. one away from ten where we can officially look at the table. I was looking forward to looking at the table, and then you they should. had that rain <laughs> yeah. uh, the, that game that got yeah canceled it sucked and yeah. makes me sad before we bring in uh richard and brian real quick steel city fc they played their first game of the season against hershey they were in hershey they got a nil nil draw as well so nil nil draws are the flavor of the week um they also got a new website so they will get go check that out it looks really good there's lots of stats over there they'll get another crack at hershey on saturday at home at 2 p.m excuse me followed by Penn Fusion is going to be at Ellis on Sunday at 3 p.m. So they got a back-to-back matchups this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So quick turnaround for the ladies. But that also means you get two chances to see them play this weekend, which is awesome. They basically play through the month of June, and then that's it. That's it for their season. So there's a lot of these back-to-back games. They're packing in a lot of stuff, a lot of action. Make sure you get down. Check it out. They got some new kits. It's all great. We're going to be talking more about them as the season progresses. So really cool stuff. Guys, let's uh let's get Brian and Richard in here and talk a little bit about indie. Brian, Richard, welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. No, absolutely. You guys have been providing some amazing coverage of Indie Eleven and just absolutely crushing it over at BGN Written. 
Um, I'm just interested as a fan of, you know, what you guys do, what's been your favorite story that you've done thus far. Brian, we'll start with you. What, uh, what's the favorite, what's your favorite thing you put out there? Oh, the entire uh, Senate Bill 7 stuff involving the stadium actually kind of took over my life for a few weeks. Um, what started off, I I learned a lot about the political process <laughs> and bills being passed, which was uh, a lot deeper than school of, or schoolhouse rock really makes it uh, sound like, <laughs> uh, but... It was that was a lot of fun just because I had a lot of people by the end of it that were actually tweeting to me specifically asking me to either translate what was being said or to just recap everything just because it was it was a very long and tedious process and everything about it was so overly complicated, especially when you the the bill itself got kicked off by being essentially killed and moved over to the bill with the Pacers. So it was that took over a bulk of my time to the point where I actually forgot what it was like to watch the team on the field. <laughs> well, so for, for Pittsburgh fans who aren't familiar with what's going on in Indy, can you give us sort of a 30,000-foot view of, of what's going on with the bill and, and why this was such a big deal for you guys? So to make a long story probably way too long, <laughs> um, it started actually before the team even dropped a ball. They've been trying to fight for uh, essentially a stadium. Um, Indianapolis is no stranger to publicly financed stadiums between Lucas Oil Stadium, which is the home of the Colts and is way too expensive, uh, but was publicly financed. Uh, the Pacers, Indiana Pacers, the NBA's Indiana Pacers uh, stadium is publicly financed. So the team has been fighting since before they even joined the NASL. And they got a little bit more realistic about it over time, but they've been fighting to get a publicly financed stadium. So... <coughs> Uh, the best way to describe it is the bill itself gave the Pacers a buttload of money, but it created the opportunity and the funding mechanism for the team to engage in a discussion with the city of Indianapolis and the Capital Improvement Board to come up with a financing tool which would help privately finance the stadium, which is being built inside of a $400 million private development that the team is going to finance privately that was a lot of words <laughs> i'm realizing now <laughs> but basically it gave them a funding mechanism to essentially fund a uh private or i guess public private soccer stadium in indianapolis which is really all that really mattered is it going to happen do you think uh the biggest hurdle was getting out of the senate and the state house um, I, I can tell you guys some stuff off air, but, uh, I will say that, um, it's not the city's pretty on board. Um, and the CIB is of course on board. So at this point, it's really just going to be as long as they don't screw anything up, which I'm crossing my fingers. They don't. That's awesome. I mean, we, we obviously saw the games or, you know, last season and this season that are being played at Lucas oil and, it's an amazing stadium, just not necessarily for soccer with the football lines yes. and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah. Richard, man, how about you? What's uh, What was your favorite piece that you've done over at BGN Written? Uh, probably my favorite one so far was the uh, Expansion Ramble series that we did with Ryan. So 
it was over the off season. We took a look at since there were, I, I think about 30, 35 new teams. I mean, not really, but you know, there were quite a few new teams that started in USL this year. Um, so we took a look at all the championship teams and broke them down and what, what would make them succeed, uh, what could possibly get in their way, looking at it more towards, you know, market size and pro sports histories and uh, whether or not they are quote-unquote small town. Um, so it was a real good opportunity. Areas and markets that may not have otherwise known anything about. Um, so, so far, yeah, that's been, that's been my favorite. So of all the expansion teams that you covered, which one are you highest on? Which one am I highest on? New Mexico, I would say. Uh, that feels I like think, that feels like a bit of a cheap think, pick since they're uh, sort of top of the table <laughs> in the West. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I think New Mexico they did it right. Uh, you know, the the branding some say it, some said it was weak, um, but I I think that they they knew what they were doing in the market. You know, it, it showed. Um, plus, not having anything else in the states to compete with. Uh, sometimes can be a bad thing, uh, but I think in this case it was a good thing. So the the people there were hungry for a team. You know, they were branded correctly to reach to all of New Mexico, uh, and I, I think that they they have some very very interesting plans for the future. So definitely New Mexico uh, is the one I'm highest on. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And like I said, it, for those who haven't been following you guys over at BTN Written, you have to go check it out because the, the quality there is through the roof. And I have absolutely nothing to do with it. It's totally in the hands of these guys, and they're doing a fantastic job. So go check that out. Guys, we, we invited you here um, because, like I said, you do do such a great job covering indie. And obviously, Hounds and Indy have a double header this week, one in Open Cup play, one in league play. Uh, the Open Cup play will be Wednesday at Highmark Stadium. League play will be Saturday in Indy. The first question I wanted to lead off with here, and maybe we'll start here with the Hounds guys. Um, Josh, I'll start with you. Now that the Hounds have sort of made it through the first round, which has not always been a given in Open Cup play, and considering sort of, I don't want to say struggles as of late, because they're still undefeated since the first game of the season. How seriously do you think the team's going to take this game on Wednesday? That's the question because I mean we have seen in the past that Lily has not exactly taken this as seriously as we would hope, uh, coming out with the best lineups for the Open Cup. Uh, so I, I don't think there's any reason to believe there's going to be a difference in that uh, lineup that that take on it. I feel like he is league first all the way. He he wants to make sure he gets to that playoff. I think that's a a thing that is on the top of not only his mind, but Tuffy's mind. So it's a situation where that that is the mandate, is to make it into the playoffs and go far into the playoffs this year. Um, I mean, obviously, we have Lily on and a lot of players and, and Tuffy, and it's all win the league, of course. But I feel like that's their main focus, and I don't see the Open Cup being any a reason for them to sway that focus doesn't mean that the players aren't going to show up for the match doesn't mean that we're going to you know completely biff it I, I i just think it's going to be a situation where we're not going to get like our first team lineup for this match kev the hounds are basically they they've what they've only lost at home twice under lily do you think that that 
changes on Wednesday? Or do you think that that plays into anything in terms of decision-making on Wednesday? Is that Does that stat include cup games? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going on that stat that the front <laughs> office keeps throwing out there. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with what Josh said. I, I think his, history shows that the Riverhounds won't play like a starting 11 in, in the cup game coming up uh, midweek. I think that's a mistake. I think we need something to push us out of this purgatory that it feels like that we're in right now where what we have six draws uh in in nine games that's just it's i mean we'll talk about it later but um you know with that kind of track record i I think that suggests that we're not too far off the tracks we just need a nudge to put us to put us back on the right track and i think a win anywhere especially the i mean look if if this was like a previous round opponent against another you know lower league side then a win maybe doesn't do t- too much but when you're playing against indy 11 um you know a team who's above you in the table um who you know is is playing relatively well right now that that does a lot for you psychologically um to be able to kind of knock a team like that out of the cup and, and that could kind of put everyone right back, back on the right track so no I'm i'm not hopeful that we'll get a strong starting 11 he'll probably go something halfway in between maybe pick five of his you know five of his guys that he backs and then um six that that kind of just need some time um but i don't know i think it, i think the other thing that could come into play too is you don't want to tip your hand too much in the league game coming up um but i think it is a di- you know a bit different it's 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 not two home games it's a home game and an away game so you might play different based off of that alone um but uh yeah, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. Brian, what do you think? I mean, it sounds like we're sort of wishy-washy on the Hound side just in terms of how seriously they might end up taking this open match. What has been Indy's approach from your standpoint in terms of open cup matches? Well, I won't lie. I anticipated that they weren't going to go light on it, but I anticipated some rotation for that Lansing game. And then, um, not to give the club, you know, free promotion, but uh, Brad Ring just started a video series on the team's website, and he interviewed Jordan Farr, and evidently, you know, Rennie went to Farr right before the Lansing game and said, hey, I'm going to start Evan Newton. Uh, Just understand that's not because you've done anything wrong. That's because I feel like he's the best person for this job. Evan Newton goes out and gets a red card. (laughs) So uh, to me, I always anticipated just because Indy's always kind of done this where they've, no matter the head coach, they've always had slight rotation from their league play with who they actually put out there. And I think especially now with uh, the amount of names that they are going to have to start working in, just by the fact that, uh, you know, some players are leaving. Some of these young academy players like Josh Penn are going to be leaving to to IU eventually. They're going to have to start getting some of these guys that have been at the back end of the bench playing time. So I don't know if they are going to be, you know, kind of like whatever happens, happens. I think they're going to, of course, try their hardest. Um, but I, I think that you're going to see a higher quality team on Wednesday 
opposed to Saturday in the league, even though that really on paper makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Richard, what are your thoughts? Do you think uh, Indy's going to bring the starting 11, or are you in agreement that maybe not on Wednesday? I don't think they can afford not to. Uh, when you look at Indy, they're sitting sixth on the table right now. Uh, their previous results have seen them kind of fall back into the same form that they were last year. You know, no one has doubted that Rennie is a good championship manager. But the one thing that we've always said is that he's kind of his results are average at best. So you're sitting sixth when the hype coming in was, you know, elevated top four, possibly make a run at the cup. Uh, I don't think that he can really afford to blow off the open cup, especially after all their many years of failures in the competition. So I would expect him to, to definitely keep it going, um, to try to get to that next round, try and host a big match, uh, give the fans something to kind of re-energize them after several draws in a row and you know, getting one no results. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see a strong starting eleven. That's fair. So let's do this. Um, you know, Richard, you you were you're moving or leaning more towards the the actual starting eleven guys. It sounds like on the Hound side, we're thinking maybe not. So for the benefit of both teams, let's uh, let's go around the the horn here and let's just say who is the most dynamic player on your respective team that you expect to see on Wednesday, and why do you pick that person? Kevin. Can you please define dynamic? <laughs> <laughs> so when you're when you're looking at the when you're looking at the lineup, I shouldn't say dynamic. When you're looking at the lineup, and you say that is the person that I think will have the most impact on the game, based on just the lineup alone. So this could be. I mean, we can't. The Hounds. We can't. Well, we could say Joe Greenspan because his red card doesn't count for open cup play. So if you see Joe Greenspan in the back, you could say he's sort of the rock on defense. You can't take that answer now because I'm saying that. Or you could say something like, you know, Anthony Velarde getting a start up top because you think that he has a chance to make some noise in open cup play, which you now also can't take that answer. So Kevin, I'm going to start with you after I already took two possible oh. answers <laughs> and see what you come up with. So wait, I'm still really confused. Ben. So, anyway. <laughs> Like you're saying, pick like a the player, best Kev, player. Just pick a player. The best player. Yes. The best player. Yes. Okay. That what would indicate that we're taking it seriously? No, that you're just looking forward to seeing on Wednesday that you think will have an impact on the game. That you're going to look at the lineup right, okay. and go, they're going to make an impact on the game. Uh, honestly, I mean, and I think this is a, li- a likely answer too. Um, you know, for any indie people listening, uh, we have a hometown player awesome. named Rob. <laughs> 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 named. Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Named Robbie Mertz, um, who is a rookie this year. Um, and uh, he's, pl- what, I think he started the, la- uh, the last, at least two games straight, mm-hmm. including up Open Cup games. Um, and he's looked really good. Uh, he's he's had a lot of energy. Um, he's played in the midfield um, and uh, and can pick a pass. And so... I, I think that's it's it's likely because he hasn't started what the he, he didn't start the first like five games of the season at least um and now he's getting to run of games he's kind of on the fringe anyway so it makes sense to play him in, in the open up game open cup games plus he's had a, a little bit of form um so i think yeah i i think a start for robbie mertz would make a lot of sense in that and it would also give me a little confidence as well 
let's bounce back and forth. So, Richard, I'm going to go to you now. I mean, you, you mentioned that you think that Indy can't afford not to go with the starting 11. So out of the starting 11, or just in general, who are you, uh, who are you thinking is going to make the most impact in this game on Wednesday? My vote would be Sterikov. Uh, I think Sterikov is the linchpin for their offense. It's a different team when he's in there. Uh, whether he's dropping back and connecting the midfield to the forwards or whether he's playing up front and he's able to finish uh, some chances and cause some havoc in the back line. You know, I think when they can get Sterikov in the lineup, they can get him, they can get him involved and engaged. He's shown time and time again that he's able to play at an extremely high level. So I would expect to see and, and definitely read on the score sheet in some way uh, Sterikov's name. Okay. Josh, we're going to bounce back to you now, now that Mertz is off the table. Who are you All taking? Right. <laughs> this feels like a so, draft. It's not a draft. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. It does, especially after you took two I know. players off that. No, I'm going to say Dos Santos because uh, we were talking about the fact that maybe not the starting lineup, but the fact is Valeski started last game uh, in league play, and you know that makes me think maybe uh, Dos Santos is fighting his way back into that starting lineup. Um, because Valeski is uh, healthy now. So if that's the case, Dos Santos would get the start for the Open Cup game, especially since Valeski played a full 90 uh, this weekend. Uh, so it would be it make sense to see. Um, well, he didn't play the full. But anyway, regardless. <laughs> um, that uh, Dos Santos would get the start, and that's the case. He might be trying to really make an impression so he can get back on that starting lineup. Yeah, no, that's a fair shout. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Cook. Who are you taking? Well, it's kind of the same role that Richard described, but uh, I and if you follow me on Twitter, hashtag self promotion, um, <laughs> you you will hear me sing his name quite a lot. But Tyler Pasher has been what I feel like is the rock star, and the the frustrating thing, and I could, and I'm hoping to at some point this week have a, a piece for PGN written about it. But the thing that's frustrated me the most is. Indy went out and signed Dane Kelly and Intervolton, and they were like, okay, we're going to get these big goal-scoring threats. But they never thought about how to get the ball to them. And Tyler Pasher's been that guy. He's gone out and just run at defenses over and over and over again. That Charleston game in the league, he literally went out, and if you look up his average position, it was ahead of the midfield in in that space between. And he scored on the left-hand side of the field, and he was running on the left-hand side of the field most of the time after he came in at halftime. So for me, and I feel like since he's been sat the last two games, he's been prepped to start that Open Cup game. But to me, that is who you have to put in. And it's not even... He's been successful in that role, but I think that's the role that Indy's been missing on the attacking side of the ball is having that guy that is able to not only feed both of your goal scorers, but can provide a third option if both of them, which typically they are, but both of them are dominated by center backs, provides that third option. And I think if Tyler Pasher doesn't at least appear in that Open Cup game, I would be a little worried about the result. Former Riverhound Tyler Pasher, which is why I just sort of shook my head when you started to say that. <laughs> I found out through a lot of people that I've talked to that pretty much every team he's gone to and left that most people miss him. Yeah. Yeah, no, there were I remember talking about him while he was here and there were um signs of of brilliance. It was sort of one of those things where 
he was almost like a bottle rocket where it was like really, really fast. And if you told him to stop, he was still figuring out how to stop. But like you could see that there was <laughs> yeah. something there. And if you could just hold on to him. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm thrilled for him as a person that if he's able to find success, especially in indie, like kudos to him, man. That's that's fantastic. Because, I mean, again, we always talk about these guys are people and you want to see them succeed, whether they're with your team or not, just typically not when you're playing each other. But, uh, yeah, no, kudos to Tyler for, for making it happen. Um, you know, you guys talked a little bit about how, you know, indie, where they're sort of currently at in the table and how, you know, whether they can afford to take the Open Cup seriously or not. Talk a little bit about, you know, their form and sort of are they performing up to expectations of the fans at this point? Where do you think that they could be doing better? Um, Is there anything that's sort of frustrating you guys? I'm like putting, you know, massive questions out there, but you guys can sort of pick whichever one you want and just sort of touch on it. Um, Brian, I'll start with you. So I and I think it's actually because I've written half of this piece, so I think it's actually mentioned in there. But I actually did a series of polls where I asked fans that exact question. I was like, what phase defensive goalkeeping, midfield, attacking? And everybody, and I'm not going to speak for Richard, but most people are frustrated with the attacking, which is not what you expected at the beginning of the year when the season began. And, and it was not to make myself sound hipsterish when I realized that I like I got chastised on Twitter for the fact that I was like, okay, these guys are getting signed and they're they're really good on paper. But what if they don't succeed? And oh, but they're gonna be great and uh you shouldn't be so negative, blah blah blah. And I'm like, I'm not being negative. I'm being realistic. And when you build up these expectations that and and for better or for worse, Dane Kelly Coming in, the expectation was he was going to be light out, and he has against really bad teams. <laughs> um, and to me, that's been the most frustrating part about their entire form is the fact that defensively, you can't get a you know a dump truck through that back line, that back five when they're solid, let alone two, three, four attacking players. Um, Midfield-wise, they are very good at winning the ball, if not great at winning the ball most of the time. The problem is getting up there because most of the time that midfield stays connected and they don't really – nobody really sways up. And Kenny Walker and Tyler Gibson played with each other uh, at at FC Cincinnati last year, so they had that chemistry. And Kenny Walker's got three assists, which I think is the top for the team so far this year, but – Nobody's really moving up there. And when you don't have that movement behind your strikers, they kind of get out on a, an island. And Intervoltson's done that where he's kind of been able to slide a little bit farther back than Kelly. But then you have this tiny striker that is supposed to try to win balls in the box on a cross. And you just you can't. That's and I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here wearing a Bayern jersey. I'm sitting in a, you know, a bedroom in can be Indiana. So I, I have no skills to really be describing tactics to anybody, mm. but it's so frustrating when I see strikers and I'm like, you're just not servicing them. They're not getting good balls. And when they don't get good balls, they don't score and you end up going zero, zero against Nashville. So to me, not to get on a tangent, but to me, the attack has been what's frustrating this year. It sounds like you're sort of, have you been listening to our show? Cause it sounds a little bit like an echo chamber. <laughs> well, here, I feel like, like the five of us probably have a lot we could really get along with and share in terms of frustrations this year yeah 
No, absolutely. Um, Richard, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm, I'm along the same lines. Um, I, my expectations for Indy this year were not as high as the team's publicists. So, you know, they were they were pumping the team up and we're going to go for it. We're going to make a run. But I think when you look at it and really dive deep, you know, Dane Kelly is a great player in USL history, but the USL is different. So he was he was knocking balls in the back of the net when it was Division three. And, you know, the quality of play was different and the types of players he was playing against were different. I don't think there's a single person that follows this league that can say that it's the same league. Uh, Not only that, but he sat on DC's bench for the entire season last year. And really, I, I think he might have had one or two appearances, but he just didn't play. So to assume that because he scored so many goals over the course of his USL career, he was going to come in and knock in messy like numbers, I think was probably a bit much in terms of expectation. My frustration is with the attack, but it's also, I think, with tactics too. Uh, And we see this from Rennie where he, I think, underestimates the players that he has. Uh, He is very quick to close up shop. He's very quick to park the bus. He's very quick to get them solid defensively. But one of the hallmarks of his teams is that they never press and they never go for that goal. Um, he kind of plays the Mourinho style where he'll win some things and he'll win some games for you, but it's not going to be pretty. You're going to be sitting back and then every now and then hitting on the counter, hitting on the counter instead of using the players, um, I think, in a better way. So right now, mixed bag. Uh, but if they can progress in the Open Cup and they can move up a couple spots and gain some ground on some folks on the top of the table, then I think that that, that can definitely change. So, Richard, when the season before the season started, I'm assuming you had sort of some sort of expectations for this team in terms of where you think they were going to fall by the end of the season. So that could be as broad as just making the playoffs, or it could be maybe locking down a home spot in the playoffs. Based on what you've seen over the first, you know, whatever it is, third of the season, has your expectations changed at all or do you still think that the team is going to fall where you thought they might and where where is that that you think they may fall my prediction was top four and win a playoff game uh nothing more than that you know anything more than that honestly the playoffs are a are a coin flip you never really know but i thought that that was a realistic goal for indy to take the next step you know rennie's got the players that he wants now he's playing the system that he wants you know, it's not a team hastily thrown together in a week before the preseason starts. So I think that they're on track to do that. Um, they are sixth in the table, but they are they have two games in hand on uh, Tampa Bay, who's at the top. So there is room for them to continue to climb and get into those top four spots. And then just looking at the teams below them, I, I think it's very realistic to assume that they could win a playoff game, especially if they're playing at home. So... I think that those are still very reachable goals, and right now they seem to be on the right track to get there. Brian, do you agree with that? Uh, 100%, um, especially when it came to the team-building aspect, and I think that was that was a big issue last year was the fact that, obviously, they found success, and I was told that the tactic, the 3-5-2, 3-4-3 that he deployed this year was actually something he wanted to Rennie wanted to do last year but didn't have the personnel uh, but I think the team building aspect this year has 
played a tremendous role in the fact that last year he had a good team, you had good players, but you really didn't have players that fit the way he wanted to play. And that was clearly evident when they moved Steinberger over to North Carolina at the time of the year that they did, especially by the uh, end of the uh, this towards the end of the season. Zach's role and his ability to get forward was something that the team direly needed. Um, so, but I think this year's expectations were okay. He's had a full year under his belt. He's now got a team built around the tactics he wants to play. Let's see what he can actually do. And I think he's he's met my expectations, which was supremely average. Uh, I didn't really have huge expectations. Um, I kind of felt like that top four was going to be reachable. But again, I was so skeptical with uh, signing guys like Dane Kelly that I was like, look, you can sign those guys. But if they don't do what they do on paper on the field, it really means nothing. I'm all for the money ball tactics of going out and signing guys that have big goal scoring records. But, you know, they have big gold scoring records. And Richard kind of hit the nail on the head in Division three. When you move back over to USL Championship now, it's a big difference. Guys are bigger. Guys are better. You now have, especially now with teams going from USL Championship to MLS, you have the caliber of players not being as strongly divided between two leagues where you have a lot of USL Championship guys who could be fringe, if not consistent, guys on an MLS team. So uh, to me, it's just I was frustrated because I was like, this is going to build up a lot of anticipation, a lot of expectations, and I don't know. And, and I, I I love him. He's he's a very motivated guy and a very motivating guy for that team, but it built up a lot of really high expectations for a guy like Martin Rennie. It's dangerous. <laughs> Speaking of building up expectations, Josh, Kev, I was going to wait and we were going to talk about this later, but I think this might be a good question just to throw your guys way as well. Kev, we're, uh, you know, looking at the hounds and sort of your expectation for them coming into the season. And now that we're however many games in, how are you feeling about what you, what you felt at the beginning of the season? Uh, lied to and cheated to. Michael. <laughs> this is not the dream that I was pitched. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's not good. It's not good. And this is and this is why like I'm even more uh, highly anticipating this this open cup game and and an open cup run because I think we're teetering teetering on the edge of you know a season that kind of gets stale pretty quickly. And uh, and I'm not losing hope yet, but. You know this uh, this Charleston game was didn't didn't help. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. I, wait, Charlotte. Sorry, never mind. Um, but yeah, no. It's it's not good. Um, the, the only thing that I can think of is I think a team built from the back, if they can get a bit of momentum, then I think that could turn into something. Whereas if you're if you're a team that's front loaded and kind of relies on scoring goals. You know, i.e., like a Bethlehem. If you look at the table, Bethlehem scored 18 goals, which is pretty nice looking at the team that's surrounding them, but they've let 22 in. You know, I, I would have more confidence in saying that a team uh, of the ilk of, of us or even Indy for that matter, you know, who, who can kind of rely on themselves defensively. Once they get a little bit of momentum, I think that could, that's more likely to snowball than a team that's front loaded. So I, I think there's potential there for us. Um, 
to, to kind of start turning the season around. But, you know, we're going to run out of time here eventually. Like, one more game and you guys can finally look at the table after 10 games. And uh, it doesn't look great. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I think it's it's not good. And, right. and we really we really need the next couple games to, to go in our favor here. I'm going to nail you down on this. What, what were you – were you thinking we were a top four team in the preseason? And do you still think yeah, that's the no, case? Yeah, no, I, I – I thought, yeah, I, I I thought we were a top four team. I thought this is Lily's now had a year in Pittsburgh. Um, he has his players that he's brought back. Um, you know, we had a we had a striker that scored 15 goals last season. Was pushing for the Golden Boot. We had a keeper that was pushing for the Golden Glove. Um, you know, we we get a home playoff game. All that kind of stuff. There was no reason not to think that we don't progress on last season, um, which means at least a top four finish, if not higher. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's, yeah. Do you still uh, feel that way now? No. How can you? I mean, like after, <laughs> so where are they? Are they, I, are they, are they a playoff team? Yeah. I, I still think we're a playoff team, but things need to change quickly. I mean, there's something off with, with the players on, on the Riverhounds right now um, that it's hard to put our finger on. I think we talked about it briefly when, um, we had the bigger roundtable discussion a couple of weeks ago where maybe the dressing room is kind of out of it right now. Maybe it, players aren't linking up with each other, not fighting for each other. And, and um, you know, that's not going to lead to a top four team. Um, I think right now in our current state, yeah, we're, we're I, I think safely once we make up the games that we have in hand, I think we're safely a playoff team. I say that kind of with a little bit more hope in my voice than I would like to. Um, and uh, and I think we have the potential. We have the manager and we have the players to be a top four team. We're just not putting it together right now. Josh, you're our eternal optimist. Where where do you stand on this? How, how, you were thinking Is that possible being an Everton fan, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? How did I get this role? Um, no, I, I, I don't know about the top four anymore just because of the fact that we have such a terrible start as far as just these draws are dragging us down. It, it's almost worse to get, you know, a draw three draws in a row than it is to get a win and two losses just because of the fact that the the way the the stats break down, if, if it's a tie situation, then you're no longer going to be in that running uh, for the top of that tie because of the fact that you don't have as many wins. So, like, it, it would have been better almost to have some losses and get some wins, like some more definitive results. So the, the fact that we are getting nothing but draws is is – it's just painful. And, and I was hoping to see a change. Uh, you know, like it's, it almost feels like it has to break at some point. Like we have to go, you know, up or down, but it just keeps on being draw after draw. And it's not even like zero, zero draws. It, it, it's like two, two draws are what's killing us. It's just, you know, it, it could be as little as getting that one more goal or as little as getting, you know, that one or not letting in that one goal. Like that's how close we're at right here where it could break either way um so at, at this point no well, i'm not seen as a top four team because i how much ground do we have to make up for that to happen um i know tampa has two games in hand on us no three games in hand on us at this point uh but they're at 26 points and we're sitting at 12 so i mean it, it just feels so so much to make up but it is kind of deceiving though because you look at the table right now are you one game at the too table early right now? I was gonna say, are you one, looking at the table? One game too early? <laughs> okay, one, right. but you know, that, I I had I had three points to ours because of that game that got uh, delayed. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, canceled. So yeah. even if you do that, <laughs> that would put us uh, 
at 15 points, which would put us above, you know, the middle of the table. But it's still, it doesn't doesn't feel good. Yeah, you mentioned draw. Um, you know, hearing sort of both sides of things and sort of knowing what's going on with the Hounds, this feels like both of these games very much could be an immovable object comes up against an immovable object. Unfortunately, the Open Cup match can't end in a draw. So, like, somebody's got to win. Guys, let's let's go around quickly and just sort of give our predictions for this game, and then we can talk about the game on the weekend and really sort of see what changes we think we'll see between the game on Wednesday and the game on Saturday and whether or not that makes a difference in the outcome. Brian, what are you, uh, what are you predicting for this Open Cup match on Wednesday? I'm predicting that I hopefully am awake by the end of the game <laughs> um, because I'm really hoping this game doesn't go to penalties. Um, boy, that would... That would just be the most wild finish when you can say, when was, does anybody know when the last time two teams played each other back to back in the cup and in the league, like any league, let alone, cause that, I, I don't know if that's, I feel like it's pretty rare. Probably uh, right. I, I have a tough time. I don't even know who wins. I have a tough time seeing this game not go to extra time just because it is kind of like watching two rocks run headfirst into each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Very because and you guys, the, the way you guys were talking, <laughs> I was like, boy, I feel bad about complaining about our three draws. <laughs> but it's it's frustrating when you collectively watch this team go, okay, you guys are really good defensively, why can't you score any goals and outscore opponents? And I feel like that's going to be inherently what happens with this game. So if I'm being honest, I totally can see this going to penalties. Um, I, I don't know at that point. Cause I don't think we've even had a game. Not that we would have. Uh, I don't think there's been a game Indies this year. That's really had penalties. So I can't really tell you who would win, but I can totally confidently see this game going to extra time, let alone penalties. I think I think I'll accept penalties as an answer. So it could either be a win for your team, a loss for your team, it's, or penalties. It's it's weird listening to you guys talk just now. I was like, man, these are two painfully similar teams. <laughs> Even if you yeah. don't look at the table, yeah. you're like, if you but if the, people just took both what Richard and I said and what you guys said, and you didn't know who they were talking about, you'd be like, why are you guys talking about the same team? Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fully agree. Which is weird, because at the beginning of the season, yeah, I think we all thought you guys would be, like, lighting it up on the on the goal charts. Yeah. So did we. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, what are you taking here? Are you taking a Hounds win, a loss, or penalties? Uh, tactically speaking, I, I do feel like if, if Indy is taking this more seriously than the Hounds, that I can conceivably see the, uh, Indy winning the game. Just because of the fact that I don't know if we're gonna get a starting lineup quality team from the Hounds. So if it's that, if that's the case, I can almost see. uh, I I don't want this to happen, but at the same time, I would be okay with it. Is a a loss in the Open Cup, but a win uh, the next or the next meeting on uh, the weekend. Okay, so you're taking a loss if you can get the win on the weekend. I. I, I, It's not so much if it's more of like I think we're gonna lose because we're not gonna take it seriously. Indy's going to, and then because Indy takes it so seriously, they're not gonna have the the power on the weekend game, and the Hounds are going to have the power on the weekend game. So it's gonna be a you know a turn. That's a fair analysis. Richard, are you taking an Indy win, a loss, or penalties? I think in the Open Cup they are gonna take it a little bit more seriously. Uh, I could see them winning. Uh, without penalties, but it's going to be, 
knowing Indy and knowing how the season has gone and just the way that the offense has struggled, my bet is that they'll win one nil and it'll be a fluke goal. It'll be it'll be either a weird header off of a corner or it'll be some sort of cross that wasn't intended to be a cross. There will be something that happens that makes it a fluke goal because the <laughs> offense is just not clicking right now. But somehow, some way, we still manage to squeak out a win or two here or there. So that's that's what I think will happen. As far as the league game on the weekend, I I could see Indy dropping that game. Uh, I could see Lily, you know, saving his strong team coming into Lucas Oil. Um, although Indy has been good at home, so it wouldn't surprise me to see a draw uh, at at Lucas Oil. So I would I would have to say a fluke goal victory, one nil at Highmark, and then a nil nil draw, uh, just to excite the fans at Lucas Oil. <laughs> Kev, where do you stand on Wednesday? Let's we'll, we'll just look at Wednesday, and then we'll look ahead to what differences we might expect Wait. for this weekend. As Richard was explaining his prediction for the Wednesday game, I was just thinking, like, I think I've seen that Hounds game already this season. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Hounds-like. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's going to be tight. Um, I, penalties could be quite reasonable, in which case I think, you know, if we're not playing a full starting 11, you'd be surprised to see maybe the inexperience come through in a penalty shootout. But I will say, I think... Enough of the fringe players now, fringe players in air quotes, um, for the Hounds. Ha- I think they've gotten enough playing time where they're not like coming on cold anymore. I think in our previous Open Cup game against the Dayton Dutch Lions, uh, they looked like they never played together before. And it showed, and fine, we got away with it and we won. Um, but with, I mean, you know, Velarde, he's now kind of a fringe player. I expect him to start. Mertz is, has been getting a good run. I expect him to start. Greenspan will start because of the red card. Um, you know, even the likes of Sammy Kasai, he's gotten enough minutes where, you know, you wouldn't expect him to look lost. Um, and, you know, all really all three of our full forwards has gotten enough time with, you know, DeSantos, Valeski and Brett. All of them have played enough this season where no matter which one you pick of them, they won't look out of place. So I think there's enough there um, to not, you know, completely roll over uh, midweek and and lose but so all yeah all that i think it's gonna be really tight i think it's gonna go to pens and i could i I could see us potentially losing in pens yeah i'm i'm in the camp of if indy's gonna take it seriously and i'm not saying that the hounds won't take it seriously but just based on history um i get the sense that we probably won't see our starting 11 and in that case i could see the hounds either losing um and basically bowing out of the open cup um, with a focus towards this weekend or going to pens. Um, I probably feel more comfortable saying losing, not comfortable in the sense that I want to see them lose, but that's just sort of what I think. Um, Brian, you specifically mentioned, you know, Richard was sort of saying he thinks that Indy might bring their starting 11 Wednesday. Um, you said you maybe think maybe not. How do you, how do you think this team changes between Wednesday and Saturday? And does, does that improve their odds of performing better come the weekend in the league play? I'm for me, uh, it depends. I think there will be on Wednesday. I think there will be outside of the fact that Jordan Farr is going to have to start in goal because Evan Newton has a red card. Um, so I think there will be a touch of rotation. 
I would not be surprised, even if they take it serious, I would not be surprised if Dan Kelly does not play on Wednesday. Um, just because whether that be fitness and these this run of games where we're having, you know, two or three games in seven days, he gets tired by the end of the game. And I think for his confidence level, I think Rennie wants to try to rotate that in. And I think he wants to try to get the most out of uh, I'm going to screw this pronunciation up. Nieto, which was one of the young players that just got signed. Josh Penn that just got signed. So I, I would not be shocked on Wednesday if you see that. But one of the, the issues that Indy's going to have going forward is Navelle Hackshaw, who has been a stud in the back, um, is on the provisional roster in Tobago. Um, 40-man roster I've already gotten confirmation from the club that he will be involved in both the Wednesday and the Saturday game. But after that, um, he if he gets called up, he's not going to be around. And you're out a center back and then uh, Crocknile or whatever his name pronunciation was uh, with Columbus just got recalled back to Columbus. Uh, which I just found out about Saturday um, because they're apparently hit with a bunch of injuries. So he's been brought back to be on their bench, evidently. So for me, the big thing on Saturday will be who's starting in the back because I think you almost have to start working somebody else in there as a backup. If you don't bring somebody else in, you have to start working somebody else in the back just to be able to, you know, slot somebody back there if Hackshaw does get called up to Trinidad and Tobago for the Gold Cup. Uh, so Saturday will be interesting. And honestly, what what is it's a cheap answer. I don't know what level they'll take both games until I see those rosters. Um, and that's just a hard thing to judge by. I, I feel like they'll rotate the rosters a little bit on Wednesday just because they want to still have a confident and uh, healthy and rested team for Saturday. But I think Saturday is just going to be really interesting because they're they're very good at home at keeping clean sheets, but they're also very bad at scoring goals. I think they've scored two goals. One of them was an own goal from Hartford, <laughs> um, and then the other one was Tyler Pasher's goal uh, against Charleston. So uh, I think Saturday could also be one of those two rocks running headfirst into each other just because I think both teams are going to be so tired. They're not going to have the energy to really go for it i'm glad you mentioned pasher again refresh my memory is he playing on the left side for you guys he is he i think he's slotting in either in the middle because iose typically lines up on the left hand side so he might be slotting in on the right but when he gets on the field he pretty much plays in the space between both midfielders and the strikers most of the time, which is where he needs to play every game. But uh, he typically, I think he ends up on the left-hand side most of the time because I think him and Iose typically try to overload the left-hand side. That that gives me a little bit of concern, Josh and Kev, because um, as we discussed earlier, wink, wink, uh, Jordan Dover taking a foot to the face uh, likely won't be available to play this weekend. He may be, he may not be, but that was a pretty brutal hit. And so with Dover being out on that side, we're going to either be starting somebody else on that side to try to take on Pasher, um, which could, you know, 
tip the scales in Indy's favor just a little bit, as much as I hate to say it. Otherwise, I would I was sort of expecting a a another draw here, probably like a one one just to mess with both of us, where it's like, hey, we scored, and then it's like, no, <laughs> yeah. you still got to draw. Um, Josh, what are you? What are your thoughts on? you know, how much the team changes between Wednesday and Saturday and ultimately what do you think ends up happening on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I can see, so kind of alluded to before with uh, the Open Cup conversation is that we are going to have a much more solid lineup on uh, Saturday. And because of that, uh, the letting people rest on Wednesday, I, I'm not saying we're not going to see a lot of the starters because they'll probably come in as subs uh, near the 70th minute or whatever. Um, so we'll see them come in 75th minute, play 15 minutes, and then kind of head out, hopefully only 15 minutes because hopefully it doesn't go to uh, extra time. Um, but, uh, seeing that uh, we're going to get that starting lineup on Saturday and uh, it's going to be a lot of energy. And I feel like kind of like what we saw over this past weekend where even with 10 men, we were attacking, we were, you know, it was a strong game, uh, despite the fact that we went down a man pretty early on there. So it, I can see that again, where we're going to be very much attacking minded. I don't think it matters that we're going to be away and it's going to be, uh, I'm hoping it's going to be a more fun game to watch, (laughs) even though I would, you know, given the option of watching it live or watching on TV, I would rather have the game that's more action packed, be the, the open cup game. But I got a feeling it's going to be Saturday's game that we're going to see a lot more from the hounds. That's fair. Richard, you you mentioned that you think that Indy can't afford not to bring their starting eleven on Wednesday. Do you think that that at all impacts, you know? And you also predicted that you think maybe Indy gets a win on Wednesday, which I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you on. How do you think that that ultimately impacts what Indy ends up doing on Saturday? Does a win give them a boost playing against this team that, like we said, may not be the Hounds' starting eleven? Um, what are your thoughts about all of that? I think the win will definitely give them a boost. Uh, one interesting wrinkle is the team confirmed on Twitter that Carl Wimet was going to be listed as a goalkeeper uh, due to the uh, red card situation with Evan Newton. So there is a good chance that there will be some movement in the back line. It wouldn't surprise me to see Joshua Penn get some playing time as well and just kind of rotate him in. So there will probably be a couple pieces um, here and there that get rotated. The one thing that Rennie tends to do is work his starters multiple games in a row. He doesn't do a ton of rotation all the time. So it wouldn't surprise me to see the same players. I think a win will give them an emotional boost. Uh, but I think that by the end of the game on Saturday, we'll definitely see some indie players be winded. So it wouldn't, wouldn't really surprise me to see some of the younger guys get a run out, um, especially as substitutes. Uh, but yeah, I, I think definitely doesn't necessarily work in our favor uh, when it comes to Saturday's match. I'm going to pin you down on this. How do you think Saturday ends up? Is it an indie win, indie loss, or is it a draw? Uh, I would say, uh, gosh, uh, I don't think it's going to be an indie win. So I, I, I think that they will put they will put far too much into Wednesday's match to come out on top on Saturday as well. Uh, but I could definitely see a no, no draw. You know, that seems to be their, uh, <laughs> that seems to be their signature for this month of May is a, is a no, no draw. So I could see them either that or uh, possibly a one, no loss, but I don't think it would be any, 
any more than that just because of how tight the teams are. Okay, so Richard, Richard's sort of predicting dueling 1-1 games just going in opposite favor. Kev, how do you think things shake out on Saturday? Uh, I can't sit here and predict a win. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna wait until the Hounds prove me wrong on that before I start predicting that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think we could play well. We could hold out for a draw. Um, that's that's pretty much all I can expect right now. Pretty safe to bet on a draw when it comes to the Hounds. I mean, yeah. that's, your, your your money's pretty safe there as far as the odds go. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say ouch, but like I can't even like. That's like pinching myself to say, ouch. Like, yeah, I totally agree. I can't, you know, dispute that at all. Brian, uh, how do you think Saturday ends up in terms of score? I, you don't have to give me an exact score, but win-loss, draw. Where do you think it goes? I was going to start counting to take it off my socks. And try to <laughs> count on my toes. Uh, it's, yeah, I, it's the thing that always frustrates me is the team, when they do their match reviews, is always so positive about a draw. Us too. Yeah, but they're, and they're like we're undefeated at home this year, and I'm like you've had 97 draws. That doesn't <laughs> count. But honestly, I I think both teams are gonna look so tired, whether they want to admit it or not. Even if you guys don't really, you know, start a starting eleven on Wednesday, I think, and. and that kind of inherently where that that role and I keep going back to it that role I mentioned for Indy if they want to have that success they have to keep one set of fresh legs that they can pull out on Saturday but I really even if it's a one one two two I I can't not see Saturday being a draw because I think both teams are just you know chemically made to draw each other um, I think it's going to be gritty and very uh, aggressive like it was all those games last year. Um, but, uh, cause I think both teams, even, even if they don't want to admit it, I think both teams kind of have a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder. Cause they want to prove to each other. Obviously you want to do that every game, but I just remember games last year were very, uh, I, I usually use the term chippy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I still have a gif on my computer of one of the India players doing a 360 when he got touched by one of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Players. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, I can't not see this game being a draw. I, I will have one other prediction, and this is actually going back to the Open Cup game. If Pack is our keeper, we win. If it's a shootout, if it's a, uh, it goes to penalties. So just he's gonna talk to them all the all the time, and I'm just saying, Pack has some mojo. He he's, <laughs> he's if there's any one of our keepers I want in a a, a shoot a, a, a PK shootout, it's gonna be Pack. I say, Brian and Richard, I don't know if you guys saw it, but in our last Open Cup game, Pack was, that was his first time starting in keeper, and the Dayton Dutch Lions got a PK, and Pack was yapping at the guy before he shot, and after the guy missed, he was in his face (laughs) yapping at him afterwards, taunting him. So, like, the guy's got a little ego. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He plays the mind games. I'm just saying. he's, (laughs) He's built for the PK, the shootout. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch. I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, we could always put in the center back that's listed as our third goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say, I Indy's, history with, in FIFA. <laughs> Indy's history with PKs is not great, because the last time I visibly remember them uh, having a PK was, I think, the 2016 or 2017 NASL Super Bowl 
uh, championship <laughs> game. Yep, you can laugh at that. It was against yeah, the Cosmos. I will every single time. I will every single more, time. But I think the third Welcome or fourth person. <laughs> it was the soccer ball. I it's I watched it with my dad. He was so excited. Um, the only thing I remember from that game was the game went to penalties, and for some reason we sent. 39 year old john bush up as like the fourth guy to yes. kick a penalty kick because i think they thought it was going to throw off their goalkeeper and <laughs> apparently a 39 year old goalkeeper who was phenomenal at goal and still could probably be phenomenal in goal but a 39 year old goalkeeper apparently not good at shooting penalties go figure yeah now my question was was he wearing his hat at the time because if he <laughs> wasn't is, wearing his hat so for for those of you that don't know, uh, Indy's old stadium used to face east and west and not north and south. So John would have to wear a hat uh, during the the mid-afternoon evening kickoffs because the sun would blind him otherwise. So he had this cheap Indy 11 hat that he clearly got from the merch stand just before the game. <laughs> and he'd throw that bad boy on and will the team to a 2-0 loss. Uh, that's 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 amazing. That's part of the stuff that I love about Lou. I just... I can't see. Just give me a hat. I don't care. Just get one for me. <laughs> That's great. Guys, this has been a ton of fun, and I feel like I'm much more prepared for what may happen this weekend, whether or this week and this weekend, whether I like it or not. Um, Brian, Richard, huge thanks to you guys for stopping by. Everybody, make sure to go follow Brian on Twitter, at Soccer with Brian. Richard is at DA underscore safety underscore guy. Uh you know, you can go check out everything that they're doing over at BGN Written as well. All their coverage of indie and just the league in general, like I said, has been phenomenal. Guys, we really appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Huge thanks again to Brian and Richard. Um, it was great talking to them. I can't emphasize enough. Make sure you go check out their written stuff. Um, so much detail, so much thought put into everything they put together. That's all over at bgn.fm. If you click on, um, I think it's just BGN written. Look, This is terrible. I don't even know what to click on. Uh, USL News. Uh, you can also go to uslnews.com, um, and it'll take you there as well. So I think that's it from us. Apologize for going long, but hopefully there was a lot of information there that you didn't know when you learned something new. Um, so thanks as always for, for catching up with us this week and, uh, and thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just you or yourself or your organization. You and yourself are the same person. Who knew? Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. One thing they don't make is scarves. For that, you got to go to Roughneck Scarves, our official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Head over to mongols.com. You know that. All of our shows are over there. Full 90 preview shows. Yeah, you can click over there, get a Mongols hat. Josh was showing off the victory beverage cozy thing uh, at the game this past week. Go get one of those. Uh, we, you know, we know there's people rocking the Lily Ball shirt now. Mongols.com. Click on the uh, the merch uh, thing. You can get all that stuff there. Follow us on Twitter at Mongols at Mongols Pod on Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show. Go subscribe, leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. <laughs>